If you'd like to attend the next Mad Thing in a Masjid event, inshallah ta'ala, live in a the masjid, then click on the link below. It will take you to a Telegram group that has the details for all the events that we do, inshallah. And you can then find the details for the next Mad Thing in a Masjid, which will be on a Saturday, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We live in a day and age where people like to mention their problems a lot. And it seems everyone's suffering, right? And everyone in life has got ups and downs. Some people got illnesses. Some people are suffering from problems at home. Maybe a guy's got a problem with his wife. She's got a problem with him. Problem with their child. Maybe they're dealing with financial problems. Maybe there are people that oppress them, physically hurt them, that cause them wrong. They can have issue with magic, jinn. You may have all of that, or some of that. And some people, they break an L. People's problems are varying degrees. And whenever someone's going through something, they think that they're the worst. And they've been dealt the hardest hand. For this reason, I decided to do this lecture today. Because... One of the things that helps you realize and make it through your difficult trial, whatever you're going through, is knowing that there are people that have been through worse. And the Prophet ﷺ told us, ila man asfala minkum. Look at the one, look at the one. The Prophet ﷺ said, ila man asfala minkum wa la ila man huwa fawqakum. The Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, look at the one who's worse than you. When you're, when you're going through difficulty, don't look at the ones who have it easy. Look at them over there. Look at what they have. Don't look at the guy who's better than you, who's healthier than you, who's richer than you. Look at the one who's lower than you. Look at the kids in Gaza with bombs flying over their head. Look at the kids in Syria, in the Syrian refugee camps where, you know, eating dog meat is haram. But they had no, nothing to eat. At one point, the scholars had to pass fatwa, had to pass a fatwa to say that out of necessity they are allowed to eat dogs. Every winter time comes, like they're kids that are frozen. They get frozen. We also had a picture of that one Syrian kid that got washed up on the shores. I think it was a spade or something like that. That's normal. That's just one picture that you saw. People are suffering us every day. Look at the ones who are in the concentration camps in China. The Muslims there. What happened to them? They're in concentration camps and the world's not even batting an eyelid. At least, at least people talk about Syria. Even the Kfar talk about it. What's happening to the brothers and sisters in, 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 in China? No one even talks about that. Do you understand? Look at them. Muslim women are being forced to marry atheist men there. Look at the Rohingya Muslims who got slaughtered. They got slaughtered. Butchered. Butchered. Just killed. I remember I was... In Bangladesh, went to one of the Rohingyan refugee camps, and there's a river that separates between Bangladesh and Burma. And we saw a village in the distant in, 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 in the distance catch fire. Because what they were doing, the Burmese army was doing was going around and was setting fire to the Muslim villages. They would just burn them and we're going and we're just like killing the people. Men, women, children, just, just killing. They were killing everyone in sight. It was just mad to just stand across the river 
in this other country and to see a Muslim village just burning. We couldn't see the village, but we saw smoke coming into the sky. Like, to know what's happening there, you can't do anything. So I say, people are suffering way more than you. We're suffering way more than you. And we have the ingratitude to say things like, my life is dead. My life is rubbish. Life is so hard. Life is so tough. Actually, it's not like that, bro. Don't lie to yourself. Allah has tested companions before us. Allah said, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّ وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ Did the people think that they will say, we believe, then they will not be tested? Allah says, certainly we tested those who came before them. فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ الصَّدَقُ وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ Why did Allah test? Because you claim you're a believer now. You come into the deen now. You start praying now. You left the streets now. You left the haram money now. You left your boyfriend. You left your girlfriend. You leave these haram things. So you're like, okay, I'm going to be on point now. Okay. Let's see if you're real with that claim. Let's see if you're real. It's easy to be on your deen if everyone supports you on your deen. I mean, it's easy for a girl to wear hijab and everyone wears hijab. It's easy for a brother to have his trials above the ankle if that's the fashion. I mean, nowadays, everyone's got a beard. Before it was just what? These, what do we call them? These skate youths. What do you call them? There's a name for them now. That's what we used to call them back in the day. <laughs> grunges. How old you? Wow, yeah, you're close to We used to call them grunges. You remember that? You guys, anyone remember the word grunge? Then they used, people started calling them skaters. Now there's another name, indie, indie, that's what they call them, indie, indie boys, or something like that. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about, the people who wear vans, but not even the man that wear vans. Once upon a time, if we caught a guy with vans, it's just, it's, we, we knew he was a grunge. It was one of the, <laughs> now the random wear vans. <laughs> so vans and converses, I can never do it. I can never do it. I just remember those days in primary school. <laughs> the point I'm making is that now it's the fashion, right, to have beards. But now even on road, demanding my beard. Everyone's got a beard. So now it's easy to have a beard. Does that make sense? But then to test you, okay, you're going to get a job and they're going to say, no, you have to shave. Okay, now we're going to see if you're real. Now we're going to see if we really keep that beard. Does that make sense? So the point of the matter is, Allah tests to see who's real and see who's fake. Some of the companions, radiallahu anhum, Ajma'in were being tortured. Like Khabbab ibn Arat, radiallahu anhum, is being tortured. He's being tortured. How did they torture him? They put coal on the floor, and they put his bare back on it, and they melted him. They melted his back. And how did the coal get put out? His skin melted, and it came onto the coal, and it put the fire out. That's how, it, that's, how the, that's how his pain and suffering ended. And you know, some people are like, oh, we just want everyone to feel sorry for us when we have a problem. Like, we just want everyone to sympathize and empathize. We just want everyone to feel bad for us. Does that make sense? This companion who got his back burnt like that, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and just look at how the Prophet dealt with him. The Prophet wasn't, you know, oh, let me just cry with you. Sallallahu it wasn't like that. Because he was building men. He was building men. Look at the Prophet said. Khabab comes to the Prophet and he says to the Prophet Sallallahu can't you just make dua to Allah? For Allah to uplift this calamity from us, O Messenger of Allah. Why? Because the Prophet's dua is not going to be rejected. So all this suffering that we're going through, Messenger of Allah, can't you just raise your hands and say, Allah, uplift it from us? So the Prophet said, قَدْ كَانَ مِنْ قَبْلَكُمْ There was before you a group of people. يُؤْخَذُ الرَّجُلُ 
A man will be taken, a Muslim man, because of his deen. And then a hole will be dug in the ground for him. And then the man will be placed inside of that hole. And then a saw blade will be put. And that blade will be placed on top of that man's head while he's in that hole. And they will slice him in half. Another man, or the same man, they will be a comb that will be brought, that will be made from hadid, al hadid made from iron. And they will comb and separate his skin from his bones. Imagine you're alive and they rip your skin off with a metal comb, just rip your skin off like that. And that will not make him shake in his religion. That will not make him question Allah. That will not make him think, let me turn back on my deen. That will not make him think Allah is not there for me. And he got sliced in half and his skin just got separated from him. He got killed like that. Does that make sense? And then the Prophet said, Wallah, Wallahi, الأمر, the Prophet said, I swear by Allah. If this matter is going to be complete, success is going to come, victory is going to come, you're going to be okay. Does that, does that make sense? To the point where you're going to have safety. You're going to have complete safety. You're not going to have anyone to fear. But then the Prophet said, But you are hasty people. You people don't have patience. People don't like to wait. You make a delivery and delivery is there in 30 minutes. If the guy comes 40 minutes late, so I'm not going to give him a tip. Impatient, hasty people. We want something, we get it on the spot. Amazon, prime delivery, next day, same day, couple of hours, I can get it. If it comes a few hours late or the next day, you get angry. The Prophet said, well, I can, he said, well, I can you're impatient people. None of, none of us can say, I got my back burnt for the sake of Allah. My back literally burnt for the sake of Allah. And he can say that. So he's in pain and he wants the pain to stop. The Prophet said, you're hasty. Stop being hasty. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through the sickness. You're going to get through the illness. You're going to get through the difficulty. You're going to finish that time. It's going to blow over. Don't worry. That financial crisis is going to go away. You're going to get to the petrol pump eventually. Waiting in that queue, it's going to come. But we're hasty people. Another example is the example of the family of Yasir. Yasir's family was three people. Yasir was the dad, the mom was Sumayya, and the son was Ammar. These three became Muslim and they were slaves. They were not people that were respected in society. They were not big people. So when they accepted Islam, they were captured and they were tortured. And Abu Jahl would torture them. And at this time, the Muslims were weak. They couldn't go out there and fight. They had nothing. And Allah commanded them to not fight at this time. Allah commanded them to be patient during this time. So as they're being tortured, the Prophet ﷺ, he walks past them. And he sees them being tortured. The Prophet said, Sabran, Ala Yasir. Be patient, O family of Yasir. Because your place where you will meet is paradise. Abu Jahl, this big man, he was so big, he ate a whole camel the night before Badr. 
He ate a whole camel himself. He slaughtered a camel and he ate a whole camel. A man will struggle to eat half a chicken or a full chicken today. He ate a whole camel. He was a big man. And he was the leader of his people. And he had slaves. If he made a command, they would listen. This big man, he comes up to Sumayya, who's being tortured here, who's the wife of, y of Yasir, the mother of Ammar. He says to her, just insult Muhammad. Insult him and I'll let you go. She said, I can't insult him. I refuse to insult him. Sallallahu alayhi wa How can I insult the messenger of Allah? I can't do that. I can't do that. By the way, when your life is at stake, insulting the Prophet is kufr, you know that, right? It's disbelief to make fun of the Prophet or to insult him, sallallahu alayhi wa In a state where someone's going to kill you, you're allowed to, to save yourself. But she couldn't do it. Even she would, she would rather die. This man Abu Jahl is confused. He's a big man. Everyone listens to him. But he can't make this little woman who's a slave listen to him. Why? Because of the strength of her iman. He's got big body, chest, shoulders, arms. He's got army. Don't, but it can't move. A weak little woman. Because of her iman. is stronger than her. Him. So he gets angry. You know what he does? He grabs an arrow. And he stabs her inside of her private part and kills her. Don't tell me you've got difficulties, brother. Don't tell me you're suffering. I'll be honest with you. Don't say that. I'm not saying this to undermine your pain. We all have pain. We all go through hardship. We're all losing loved ones. But I feel like we live in a society where we're so weak, we complain to each other. We don't complain to Allah. Yaqub lost his son. Yaqub lost his son. Then he lost his, Yusuf is his youngest son. And then his second youngest son, Benjamin, he loses him. Then the older son says, I'm not coming back because we lost our father's two sons. So now he lost how many kids? Three. They come and tell him. Out of the pain, he cries so much, he loses his eyesight. He loses eyesight. Did he complain? إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا وَحُزْنِ إِلَى He said, I only complain of my pain to Allah. Then he told the rest of his sons, go back out and look for your brother Yusuf. And everyone's looking at him like, you're mad. He's gone. It's been years. He said, He said, I know from Allah what you don't know. I have good assumption of Allah. Allah is not going to let me down. He lost three sons. He lost one son. He's saying, don't worry, he's going to come back. Then he loses another. Then he loses a third. He loses eyesight. But he doesn't lose hope. He doesn't lose hope. He knows Allah is going to look at, bring his kids back to him. So he sends his sons out. Go get them. And in the end, they bring back Yusuf's t-shirt. They bring back Yusuf's t-shirt. And Yusuf said, put this over my father's face. His eyesight will come back. When they come close and they bring in a t-shirt to him, he's blind, he can't see. He said, Inni la ajidu riha Yusuf. He said, I smell Yusuf, I can smell him. Lawla an tufallidun. Am I going mad? 
They said, this man is in his, he's still misguided, he's in his old misguidance, confused. He's still talking about Yusuf. Then they bring the t-shirt, they put it over his face. His eyes come back. That's, remember something, the final ending is always for the believers. The final ending is always for the believers. If you come with taqwa, it's going to be okay. That pain, that suffering is going to go. But it depends on your aqidah. Some people, they suffer so much. They lose hope. This is it. I'm struggling. This is it. It's not coming. You tell them, have hope. Don't worry. Allah promised. It's going to be okay. Allah is going to bring the ease after the hardship. I know, but you know, it's been going on for a week, two months, a year, three years, four years, ten years. The guy's just complaining. We just complain. The woman just complains. No, akhi. Don't lose hope in Allah. It's going to be okay. Either you're going to get it in this life or you're going to get it in the next. You think the family of Yasir, do you think they lost? Do you think they lost? The Prophet said, The place you're going to meet is paradise. That's your appointment. They got Jannah, bro. She became the first martyr in Islam, the first shaheed in Islam. Islam is built upon the sacrifices of women. The first person to die for the sake of Allah in Islam was this woman, Sumayya. Radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Does that make sense? Many examples. What do you know about Khubayb ibn Adi? Khubayb ibn Adi radiyallahu anha. He was a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was captured after the battle of... He was captured after the battle of Badr. In Badr, the Muslims won and they killed 70... Kufar and they took another 70 hostage. So, as revenge, they captured Khubayb. And when they captured Khubayb, they agreed to kill him. And when they agreed to kill him, they brought him to the outskirts of Mecca because they couldn't kill in Mecca. Because you know, Mecca is holy, it's sacred. You can't kill in Mecca, you can't even hunt animals in Mecca. So, even though these were Kufar, they understood the concept of Mecca being holy. So, what? They went on the outskirts of Mecca. They took him to Tan'im, which is the place where Masjid Aisha is nowadays, outside of the boundary of Mecca. So, Abu Sufyan, who was the leader of Quraysh at the time, who was from their chiefs, he said, fire arrows at his legs and arrows at his arms so they can feel the pain without a Badr. So they start firing arrows at him and he's tied up and he's not flinching, he's not crying. He looks at him and says, I have one request. What's your request, Abu Sufyan says? He says, I want to pray two units of prayer, two raka'ah to Allah before you kill me. So he done wudu and he prayed. He didn't pray a very long prayer though. As soon as he finished, he turned around. He said, I found sweetness in my prayer and I wanted to make it long. So my last prayer could be long, but I didn't. Because I didn't want you people to think that I'm making the prayer long because I'm scared to die. Come and kill me now. So as they're about to kill him and they're torturing him, alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As they're about to kill him and they're torturing him now, Abu Sufyan looks at him and he says, Ya Aidi, I'm going to ask you something. Right now, because now a man is actually being, he's about to be killed, they're torturing him, he's being cut, 
Does that make sense? He's been shot at with arrows. So you're tough before, but now. He says, would you prefer right now that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam be in your place and for you to be with your family relaxing? He said, wallahi, I would not prefer to be with my family relaxing and even a thorn pricks Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the iman they had and the love they had for the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as they were about to deal him the final blow, he raised his hands and he made a dua. He said, Allahumma ahsihim adada waqtulhum badada wa la tughadir minhum ahada. He said, Oh Allah, count every single one of them and kill each and every single one of them and don't spare and let live even one of them. Don't spare and let live even one of them. And then he said, Allahumma fashhad, O Allah, bear witness. I conveyed the message of your Prophet, your Messenger. And I ask you to convey to him my salam. Convey to him my salam before I die. In that moment, Allah sent Jibreel down. And Jibreel said, Ya Muhammad, Khubayb gives you salam. He's about to be killed. He's about to be killed. That's who these men and women were. That's who these men and women were. And above them and beyond all of them, the one who had it the hardest was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. My brothers, do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like? To be the only man standing in battle? That was the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a man against the whole world. Allah said, وَقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُكَلَّفُ إِلَّا نَفْسَكَ Allah said, Muhammad, fight in the path of Allah. Don't worry about anyone else. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it was wajib on him and obligatory upon him to go and fight even if he was the only one and no one else was fighting with him. Us, the Muslims, they don't have to be the only ones in battle. Does that make sense? They don't have to be the only ones in battle. But the Prophet was told, you go to battle even if you're alone. Two occasions, the Muslims began to lose and they started to retreat. The first was the battle of Uhud. They thought the Prophet died. If the Prophet's dead, then the battle was over. So they were coming back off the battlefield. But the Prophet wasn't dead, he was alive. And when the Kuffar noticed the Prophet was on the battlefield, imagine the entire army surrounded him and started raining down arrows on him. And only a few companions saw, supported him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in that moment. The question is, why did the Prophet not run off the battlefield as well? Allah said, وَقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ وَلَا تُكَلَّفُ إِلَّا Muhammad, you have to fight. You can't run off. Ibn Mulaqin said, in his kitab where he explained the khasais, the unique things about the Prophet perhaps this is why the Prophet didn't come off the battlefield. Because he was told, you have to fight even if it's alone. Second time was in the battle of Hunayn, when the arrows were raining down on the Muslims. And they weren't missing, each one was just licking down Muslims, one by one by one by one, and Muslims were falling. And many Muslims started to retreat. And the Prophet didn't retreat. He carried on forward and he said, 
Ana nabiyun la kadib. I am a true prophet. This is not a lie. Ana ibn Abdul Muttalib. I am the son of Abdul Muttalib. And arrows are raining down on him. And he didn't turn back. Do you know what it's like to be tested? One man against an army. Do you know what it's like to be tested? That you bury your own children with your own hands? The Prophet ﷺ had how many children? Seven. Qasim died. Ibrahim died. Abdullah died. All three of them never made it past the age of five. The Prophet went to the Battle of Badr, which was a great victory. He came back to Medina to only find out his other daughter died. I think it was Umm Kulthum. No, it was Ruqayya Afun. I think it was Ruqayya. And then his oldest daughter Zainab died. And then who? Umm Kulthum radiyallahu anhum died. All six of his kids died except Fatima. She lived after him and died six months later. Do you know what it's like to lose six of your children? Three boys before they reach the age of five? And your girls, as soon as they get married, a couple years later, they're dead. Imagine your daughter's raised and she dies. And you're burying them with your own hands. And your wife Khadija dies, you bury her with your own hands. And you're seeing what your companions around you being tortured, dying. And then they do magic on you. The Jews done magic on the Prophet. They try to poison the Prophet. They try to poison him. They done magic on him, sallallahu alayhi wa In battle, they struck him on his head. He bled, sallallahu alayhi wa He was wounded, sallallahu alayhi wa They threw stones at him, sallallahu alayhi wa They kicked him out of his house, sallallahu alayhi wa They embargoed him, boycotted him. Food couldn't get to him, sallallahu alayhi wa Hadith wala haraj. No one was tested more than the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa Look what Allah said. وَكَأَيِّ مِن نَبِيٍ قَاتَلَ مَعَهُ رِبِّيُّونَ كَثِيرٌ فَمَا وَهَنُوا لِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَمَا ضَعُفُوا وَمَا اسْتَكَالُوا وَاللَّهُ يُحِبَّ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah said, how many prophets fought? Not just the Prophet Muhammad صلى but how many prophets in general fought? And alongside them, people of ilm. It shows you the virtue, virtue of knowledge. وَكَأَيِّ مِن نَبِيٍ قَاتَلَ مَعَهُ How many prophets fought? And مَعَهُمْ رِبِّيُّونَ كَثِيرٌ People of knowledge, scholars fought with the Prophet. Prophets, not hooligans. Not a little, some joke, but I just, you know, starts practicing. He says, you know what, I'm going to do jihad and blow myself up and blow up a couple of men. Like these ISIS people, no. Jahil, they can't want to pick up guns and they don't even know how to wash the, the, the private parts in the toilet. No, the ones who in jihad with the Prophet and the prophets in general, people of ilm. How many, Allah says, prophets fought and alongside them, people of ilm, knowledge. They never became weak based on what was afflicted to them in that path of Allah. They never became weak. They never, they, they never lost heart. They never, they, 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 they never weakened. They never lost hope. They never weakened and they never surrendered. They were firm, but they were tested. In that path, they were tested. It came to them, the calamity. Allah said, Wallahu yuhibbu sabiri. Allah loves those. Allah loves those who are patient. My brothers, if you want to come to this deen and you want to be on your deen, then 
Gleiteiligen zu werden. Calamity. Because your deen is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. Allah said, Mahasibatum anta dukhulul jannah. Do you think you're going to go paradise? You said, I'm a believer. You're going to go paradise? وَلَمَّا يَأْتِكُمْ مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْا مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ And you're not going to be tested like those who came before you. مَسَّتْهُمُ الْبَأْسَاءُ وَبَرَّاءُ وَزُلْزِلُوا They were touched by poverty. They were touched by hardship. They were shaken. What do you know about the battle of Ahzab? When the Muslims are surrounded by 10,000 men. An army of 10,000 soldiers. And inside the city of Medina, on the outskirts, the Jews have betrayed the Muslims and have given intel and they've teamed up with the kuffar with 10,000 soldiers outside. So the Muslims have a problem around them outside and within the city. And within the army, they are hypocrites. Munafiqun. This was a scary battle for the Muslims. Scary battle. Because the fight is in your house. It's in your back garden. If you lose, you know they're taking your wife. They're going to rape your wife and take your kids. They're going, to, they, they might, they're going to kill your kids, maybe your wife, take them to prison, sell them off. So you're thinking, this fight came to my house. And not just that, we've got 10,000 men outside. 10,000! We don't have that kind of energy to fight them. And then the, the Yehud have betrayed us. And we had a treaty with them. So now we've got two enemies. And then the third enemy is inside of the army. Hypocrites who are pretending to be Muslim, but they're actually not. That battle, Allah described it in Surah Al-Ahzab in a way he never described another battle before. Inshallah, one day we'll go through the lessons from the way Allah describes the battle of Ahzab. Wallahi, it was a scary battle for the Muslims. But when they saw the army, Allah said it increased them in Iman. Sadaqallahu wa rasoolah. Whatever Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam promised, He said it's true. Because them looking at this army, He said either we're going to get killed, or we're going to paradise, inshallah, as martyrs, or we're going to get victory over them. And what happened? I told you, the final outcome is always for the believers. Allah sent a wind, and the wind was so strong, that what? The wind was so strong, they couldn't even light a fire. If you can't light a fire, in the wind, you're cold and you can't cook food. So they tried to firm it for a few days. Eventually, the army was like, we can't do this, bro. We have to leave. So they left. Allah, said, Allah will send an army to help you that you can't imagine. Whoever fears Allah, Allah will find a way out for him. And he'll give him rizq. He'll provide for him from a place he never fought. But I have to have patience and certainty in a moment. Does that make sense? Allah said, the people were tested so bad. Allah said, the people were tested so bad that the messengers were with them in the past. They were tested so bad that sometimes the messengers were with them. Even they were like, where is Allah's help? Like imagine for a person to say, like, remember I said, Khabbab, he went to the Prophet, he said, can you make dua to Allah to make it easy? Like imagine a messenger saying, wait, wait, wait where is the help of Allah? When is it coming? Imagine when a prophet, when a messenger gets to that stage. That's how bad they were tested. That a messenger would say that. And Allah said, Allah in the Nasrullah Qareeb. 
Allah said, the, the help of Allah is close. It's close. You know, be patient. Victory is coming. It's coming. Be patient. It's going to go. It's going to go. Trust me, it's going to go. But this is how Allah separates those who are real from those who are fake. Another verse, Allah said, I'm hasibatum anta dukhulul jannah. Again, Allah said, do you think you're going to go paradise? This is a theme. Allah keeps repeating this. Do you think you're going to go paradise? وَلَمَّا يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا مِنْكُمْ Allah is not going to see the ones who strive, who do jihad from you. Akhir, we can't even do jihad against shaitan, jihad against ourselves. We're losing jihad on every level, jihad against your nafs, jihad against shaitan. وَيَعْلَمَ الصَّابِرِينَ And Allah said also to see who's patient. Allah said, you think you're going to go paradise? And I'm not, without seeing who's patient? No. Look what Allah said to the companions. Battle of Uhud. They're being killed. Because the battle of Uhud, they started to lose. Better they won. 70 of the kuffar were killed. Battle of Uhud, the Muslims lost and 70 of the Muslims were killed. So Allah said, وَلَقَدْ كُنْتُمْ تَمَنَّوْنَ الْمَوْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَلْقَوْ Allah said, and certainly you, you wish for death. You ask for it. Right, companions are out there saying, we want to die for the sake of Allah. We want to die for the sake of Allah. Some of them said, if, you know, if Allah gives us another chance, we're going to show Allah what we do in battle. So now, you, now, now, Allah said, وَلَقَدْ كُنْتُمْ تَمَنَّوْنَ الْمَوْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَلْقَوْهُ فَقَدْ رَأَيْتُمُوهُ وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْظُرُونَ So now you can see death. Why are you just looking? Oh, sorry, now you can see death while you're looking on. So now you can see death. My brother, why are you standing there? Why are you complaining? You asked for this. Now we're not on the battlefield, are we? But didn't we say we're going to be patient when we came to the deen? Didn't we say, that's it, I've left behind all these girls now. That's it, I left behind the roads now. I left behind music now. I left behind this now. I left behind that now. I left it all behind. Okay, you said you left it behind. You said you were real. Okay, Allah's going to test you. He's going to put it in front of you now. I'm going to put that girl right in front of you. I'm going to make, she's going to text you. She's going to DM you. She's going to call you. She's going to shop at your house, cry. She might even text you and say, I'm going to kill myself if you don't take me back. They do these dumb things. They do these things. Shaitan inspires them. Well, the guy says to the girl, I'm going to kill myself, you know, if you leave me and all this nonsense. Okay, now he's right in front of you. You said you left him. You're not going back to him. Allah places him in front of you to make sure are you really serious. Okay, don't go to, go past him then. Go past him then. Does that make sense? Lies, a lot to say. A lot of examples to give, but I don't want to make it long. So we'll just end, inshallah ta'ala, by mentioning the solution that helps you get through the pain and the suffering. And there's many things to mention, but we'll just mention a few. Allah said to the Prophet, you know, and by the way, Allah is saying it to the Prophet. Allah is saying this to the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah said, Allah said, we know. Innahu, sorry, I have to mention this. I have to mention something. Because even look at how Allah speaks to the Prophet وسلم, when the Prophet was being tortured. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قَدْ نَعْلَمُ إِنَّهُ Allah said, Muhammad, we know it hurts you what they say. They say things about you. They say things, we know it hurts you. فَإِنَّهُمْ لَا يُكَذِّبُونَكَ It's not you that they have a problem with. It's not you that they disbelieve in. 
It's not you that they say is a liar. They have a problem with Allah's verses. Allah said, and messengers were, they were denied before you. Because the Prophet is saying, I'm being denied, I'm being rejected. They're saying things about me. Allah is saying, Muhammad, you're not alone. Sallallahu alayhi wa This happened to messengers before you. فَصَبْرُوا And they were patient. عَلَى مَا They were patient when they were disbelieved in. And they were patient upon the harm that came to them. حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُنَا Until حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُنَا Until our victory and our help came. They were patient. Allah is telling Muhammad وسلم, be patient. There's no way out of this. This is life. This is life. Who told you that this world is to have a good time? The Kufar told you, YOLO, only, you only live once. Have a good time. No, that's nonsense. This world, who said the world is here to have a good time? When we suffer, we act like it was not, we we're not supposed to be tested here. No, Allah said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, الذي خلق الموت والحياة he made death and life to test you To see who's better in his actions That's why death and life is here Not for a party Yet it's good times And that's a test as well And it's bad times And that's a test too So then The Prophet ﷺ He had to be patient And he had to be patient more than anyone else More than any other Prophet he was harmed the most. No one on planet Earth suffered more than him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it shocks me that when Allah told the Prophet a way to cope with his pain, and it helped the Prophet, why we don't do the same? I really want you to understand that point. No person on planet Earth suffered more than Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So obviously you've got to cope with the pain, right? Some people take pills to cope with the pain. Some people take drugs. Some people, they, they go out... To a party, some people comfort eat, some people shop, comfort shopping they call it. Some people just cry and complain. Right? So, whatever you're suffering is not greater than the Prophet's. And the Prophet was given something to ease his pain. Why don't you want to take that same thing? You really don't want the suffering to ease them, do you? You're your own enemy, if that's the case. So look what Allah said, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُ Allah said, Muhammad, we know that the things they say is making your chest tight. So then what should, what should the Prophet do? Allah said, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُنْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ Allah said, then do dhikr, do tasbih, and do tahmeed. Say, subhanallah, say, alhamdulillah. وَكُنْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ And do sujood. Pray salah. In another verse, Allah said, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبَرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ Oh, you believe find patience in? Help and? Find patience in? Afan, find help in? Patience and prayer. Find help in? Patience and prayer in salah. Allah said, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Allah said, and worship your Lord until you die. Ibadah. Ibadah is what's going to help you get through your suffering. You know why? Because you feel pain when you're attached to this world. In Ibadah, you detach from this world and attach to Allah. You detach from this world and you attach to Allah Azza wa Jal. 
Urut ibn Zubair, who is the nephew of Aisha radiallahu anha because he was her sister, her sister's son. He was a great scholar from the scholars of Al-Madina, an imam from the Salaf, from the Tabi'een. He was traveling to Damascus. And as he was traveling to Damascus, he was sick. He was so sick that when he came to Damascus, they told him, we have to cut your leg off. We have to cut your leg off. He said, Ya Allah, you gave me four limbs, i.e. my two arms and my two legs. And you decided to take one of them. They said, we have to give you alcohol to numb the pain. He said, no, I'm not taking no alcohol. He goes, but when I'm in salah, I lose consciousness of everything around me. I'm just focused on my prayer. I'm focused on Allah. So do whatever you have to do while I'm in prayer. He went into salah. They performed the surgery. They performed the surgery. He didn't feel a thing. When he came out of salah, they told him the surgery is done. You've cut your leg off, patched it up. It's done. They said, but we have some other bad news for you though. So whilst you were in Salah, you had four kids. They were playing around. And there was like horses or camels, and one of the horses or camels killed one of his kids. They crushed him. So the child is dead. He said, Allah, you gave me four kids. You took one of them and you left the other three. All praise and thanks to you. That's how these people were. The Salah helped them get through it. You know what's shocking is, you know that time I told you when the Prophet was, and his companions were suffering, suffer, were suffering. Sumayya was killed, Khabbab, Ibn Arat, his back was burnt, all of that. Allah revealed a verse to the Prophet. Allah said, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Allah said, Muhammad, did we not make your chest wide, relaxed? Did we not make you relaxed? What? Plus, we scratched their head. Relax, chest wide. People are dying around you. The Prophet's being attacked while he's trying to pray Salah. He's been beaten at the Kaaba, radiallahu anhu. Yeah, he's relaxed. Why? Salah. But a person says, look, I'm praying, but I'm still feeling pain. You know why? Because you don't know what you're saying in your Salah. You don't know how to pray. Are you praying correctly? That's why... You need to learn the one who you're praying to, Allah. Study his names and his attributes. And you need to study how to pray to him, i.e. fiqh, tahara, salah, all these things. In case, inshallah, you want to do that every Friday, we do that after Maghrib. We have a lesson on fiqh, how to do tahara, how to pray salah, and the other things that we have to do, zakat, siyam, hajj, all that. Right now we're going through tahara. And the second thing is, who is Allah? Because when you learn who Allah is, when you stand before him, that's it. That's it. Imam Bukhari was in Salah one time and there was a scorpion or a wasp or something that was stinging him and it stung him like 20 times. When he finished the Salah, he said, what's this thing that's bugging me? So they lifted his top off him and they found a scorpion on his back or something. Yeah, I think it was a scorpion. They said to him, yeah, Imam, why, why didn't you just leave the Salah? That if you, this thing would just sting in your back. Why? Why didn't you just do that? He said, I was reciting a surah and I was so connected to it. In my connection with Allah and I was feeling the surah so much that 
I just could, I just could not stop the prayer. Does that make sense? So my brothers and my sisters, the solution is worship. But your worship maybe lacks, and my worship lacks the desired effect in maintaining our pain and suffering because we lack knowledge. We lack knowledge of who we're worshipping and how to worship him. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing. The first thing is what? The first thing is what? Is ibadah. The ibadah upon knowledge, upon insight. The second thing is tawbah. When you're going through suffering, you do tawbah. You do what? You do tawbah. What's the evidence for this? Ayub was struck with an illness. He lost all his family. He was struck with an illness. The illness was so bad that a stench would come from him. So much so that they had to move him out of the city. No one could come close to him. He literally became a bag of skin that was carrying bones. So they couldn't come to him. People didn't want to be around him. He lost his children and everything. His wealth and everything. His wife had to make things and sell them to the point where she started selling her hair. It got so hard for him. His two friends that he had that were his best friends, they started to talk about him and say, he must have done an evil sin while Allah is punishing him like this. Broke his heart. There were maggots that would eat in his flesh, in his body. He had sores and there would be maggots that would be living in there because he couldn't move. How many years has this happened for? One? Ten? Fifteen approximately plus years. Fifteen approximately years. And he didn't even ask Allah to cure him once, you know that? Until the very end. Some of the narrations mentioned it was when he, re- when he heard his wife starting to have to sell her hair. It caused him so much pain. Allah said, وَأَيُّوبَ إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الضُّرُّ Look at the manners that he had. Allah said, when Ayyub called out to his Lord, and he said, أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الضُّرُّ He said, my Lord, pain touched me. And he said, Ya Allah, look at me, I'm suffering. Ya Allah, why is it happening to me? He said, أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الضُّرُّ He said, Ya Allah, pain touched me. وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاحِمِينَ And you are the most merciful of those who have mercy. That was enough for him to say for Allah to cure him. Allah فَاسْتَجَبَنَا لَهُ فَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِنْ ضُرِّ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so we responded to him, removed his affliction, and we gave him back his family and more. Does that make sense? In another verse where Allah talks about Ayyub, Allah described the kind of person Ayyub was. Allah says, We found him patient. Ni'mal abd, an excellent slave. He was worshipping, he was an ibadah. Does that make sense? Sabr. Ni'mal abd, he was a slave, an excellent one. A slave worships. And we took that, right? That's the thing that you have to do. The whole lecture was about patience. Second thing was what? Ibadah, right? Allah said, do ibadah. 
Worship Allah until death comes to you. Then Allah said, then the last thing, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, innahu awwab. He was one that was always doing tawbah. Scholars, they take from this. Because many evidences show that pain and suffering in our life comes because of our sins. Allah said, Corruption spread in the sand and the sea because of what your hands have sent forth. Another verse, Allah said, Any harm that touches you is because of your own self, because of your sins. Fudayl ibn Iyad, if he would come home and see his wife disobeying him, his kids disobeying him, he would say, Because of a sin that I did. When the companions lost the battle of Uhud and they say, Anna laki hadha, how do we lose? Why do we lose? Allah said, Qul huwa min indi anfusikum. Because they disobeyed the messenger once, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not all of them, a group of them, a small group of them disobeyed once, so the whole army lost. So then calamities, problems, illnesses, diseases, all of these things, they come, why? Because of sins. We're not saying Ayub sinned, he was a prophet. But he was still always turning back to Allah. Innahu awab. Does that make sense? So these three things, Inna Allah Azza wa Jal said, Subhanahu wa Taala, Inna wajadnahu sabiran. We found him patient. Ni'm al abd, an excellent slave, an excellent slave. Innahu awab, and he was always turning back, always making tawbah. So my brother, whatever struggle you're going through, have patience. That's the first thing. That you can't escape. And what's going to help that patience? Be an abd. Be one of the ibad of Allah Azza wa Jal. Be a ni'm al-abd, an excellent slave. Worship him. But that worship requires knowledge. And the third thing, make tawbah for your sins every day. Seek forgiveness. Now that should make you understand that if you're going through a difficulty right now and you're sinning, that definitely you can't be doing you can't be in the middle of a difficulty hoping that it leaves you and you're watching things that you shouldn't be. Movies where you look at women and there's music there, listen to music, hang around with people that are incorrect, doing bid'ah, innovation, all of these things, you know, disrespecting your parents, missing prayers, uh, you know, all of these things. You can't be doing that. Does that make sense? Hatta as sunnah. The fact that you're missing of a sunnah could be a reason for there to be a problem for you. One of the battles with the Persians, the Sahaba were involved in, they started to lose. The Muslims were losing. So they discussed amongst themselves, what did we do wrong? And one of them said, we didn't do the siwak, we didn't clean our teeth. The siwak is such a sunnah, the Prophet said, if I was not scared for my ummah, I would have commanded them to do the siwak for every single prayer, to clean their teeth. And by the way, brushing your teeth applies. Yeah? Brushing your teeth, the same. And this Prophet would do it in every situation he could. So it was a big sunnah. And these mujahideen that were fighting realized they didn't. So they went to the tree and they broke it off and they started to do the siwak. The army that was looking at them, they said, whoa, these guys are sharpening their teeth. Are they going to eat us? So they became scared and they ran away. Allah gave them victory because they came back to a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. One sunnah, one sunnah. Today we complain about the ummah. The ummah is divided, 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 divided. The Prophet told us, "Don't make 
division in our rows when we pray the salah. Don't make division in our rows when we pray the salah. Because our hearts will become divided. One of the reasons why the ummah is divided is because we're not united in salah. For example, we pray. Some people pray when they get to this pillar, they'll pray behind it and there's space in the row behind. Look at the pillar, guys, so you can see what I'm saying. Turn the camera to the pillar so the camera can see as well. There's a pillar here. Now, of course, in Jum'ah, it's different because the whole masjid is full. But it's not Jum'ah, right? Maghrib Salah, Isha Salah. And sometimes people are praying on either side of the pillar and it's dividing them. But there's a row behind. You can pray and be joined. But how can you expect someone to know that if they don't study? So the Ummah is divided for many reasons. Many reasons. One of the reasons because of that. So now you come and you try to implement the Sunnah before the Salah. You try to straighten the rows and tell everyone not to be divided. Okay, he's being extra. I'm not being extra, Akhi. You're the one that's complaining, saying the Ummah is divided. And now we're trying to give you a prophetic solution and you're taking it lightly. You're the problem. Sometimes come back to one Sunnah. Does that make sense? Sometimes come back to one Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Nonetheless, the good news is Allah said, فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى Allah Azza wa Jalla told us with every hardship there is ease and then He repeated it. Why did He repeat it? Is it not enough for Allah to say it once? O slave of Allah, is it not enough for Allah to say after hardship there is ease once? But He said it twice. The human being is so weak that the Lord repeated Himself. Don't worry, with the hardship there is ease. And also the scholars took the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal repeated it shows that there's two hardships. So with every one hardship there is two ease. There's, with every one hardship there is two ease. It's going to be okay. Ibn Taymiyyah said, they asked, or he discussed the point about when do you know the ease is close? He said it's when the pain is the most. You know why? Because when the pain goes up, Remember, everything that goes up must come down. And no matter what you're going through, Allah will not test the soul more than it can bear. So you will have that victory, inshallah, it will come. But this is to test the strength of your iman. And people are tested before you. You're not alone. This is just what it is. This is life. Get with it. Does that make sense? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Deen is for men. It's for men. Not males. It's for men. You understand? And then the final, 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 final ease. Allah said, when they enter paradise, the angels come to them. Min kulli bab, from every door. What do they say? Salamun alaykum. Peace be upon you. Why? Bima sabartum. Because of your patience. And excellent is the final home, Al-Jannah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If you'd like to get more information about when the next event is going to be, the location, time, place, date, click the link below and join the Telegram group that will take you to a group where we have all the information about all of our live events. Wanted to give those of you who are not able to make it an opportunity to participate in the khair and that is that inshallah ta'ala if you would like to contribute towards the expenses of these events 
We don't charge anyone to attend, but we do have a lot of expenses, food, whatnot, the giveaways that attract the people to come in and whatever have you. As you can see, it brings in the youth, the youngsters, the ones who, you know, we really need to reach out to them and get them in the masjid. Who knows, someone may come to the masjid, completely change their life. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the primary reason for that. But then Allah might have made you a means for that person or those people to change. So donate as generously as you can at the link below. And inshallah, please come and attend. So hopefully we see you there, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, peace.